0: Welcome to The Armin Show, where we talk about everything science, human behavior, creativity, and more. Thanks for joining, and make sure to subscribe. The following is a discussion with Jeff Lawson, theologian, as well as elder at Faith Church in Sarasota, Florida. Our episode, which is in person, was recorded in Sarasota, Florida, and we covered a variety of material, including... Jeff's passion, which is to utilize his gifts that facilitate an atmosphere that seeks to promote the goal of looking more and more like Acts 242 from the scriptures. Also, Jeff is the father of past guest Rebecca Faith Lawson, who is also on the intro and outro that now exists on the show, which is quite cool. I hope you enjoy this talk. And now, here's the discussion with me and Jeff. Jeff Lawson, glad to have you on the program.
1: Glad to be here.
0: This is a wonderful awesome. item. We have all your books in the background. We have a variety of items to talk about. How would you describe yourself to someone you just met? What would you tell them about
1: your being and your path through life? Um, yeah, so uh, in a general sense, I was raised in Sarasota if I'm giving him my, you know, um, sort of a general overview of my life. Um, had uh, two siblings, my mom and dad, of course, and, uh, was, um, pretty preoccupied due to my mom's influence when I was young with sports. Mom was the influential figure in my life to get me away from my, uh, from the TV back in the day uh watching cartoons one saturday morning and saying uh you're going to go and play basketball with the pee wee league pee wee league pee wee league whatever it was called back then and uh i said no mom she said yes uh, yes you're going <laughs> if you don't like it you can get, you know stop it after that but i went once and that was the that was the defining measure <laughs> <laughs> that did it yeah, that did it and uh, was athletic um, the rest of my life, uh, uh, seasonal. Played basketball, baseball, football throughout my younger years, um, concentrated on basketball uh, more so because my, my gift set was more oriented towards that. And tennis, to be honest, tennis is another sport, uh, played that in high school. Uh, at Riverview High School here in Sarasota uh, on the varsity there and had the privilege of um, playing tennis through uh, in uh, Riverview High School as well on the team and uh, tried to, I was going to make it on the tennis team as a walk-on at Manatee Community College, which we, Manatee Junior College, which now I call it the State College. Uh, Rebecca is my art. My daughter's goes there now, has been going there, um, and then uh, I ha- I got into a car accident. Oh, yeah. So right. it, it was not a it's not a, a serious accident, but this is where I'll be very frank with you. This is where the Lord intervened in my life. That was one of the defining measures of um, after that car accident. Uh, the uh, Lord used that to take away that car from me. And I'll, I'll explain that in the sense that um, in the realm of my life, my my escape from the problems of life, in a sense, one escape route was the vehicle where I would go out and drive, listen to music and and, you know, get away from it all kind of thing that was one of the things there's other ways too but so that was sort of a sense of a refuge in a way if i can say it that way i had no idea that this car would be a it's a play on words but a vehicle (laughs) to (laughs) no pun intended yeah no pun intended uh to bring me um to see him and because he was he had permitted that and coordinated those events in such a way. Uh, simultaneously, when our family was going through some very serious, um, uh, tumultuous times uh, and that um, very much affected the whole family. Um, at that time, my sister was, uh, had to be, she was off at a, a place where uh, we'd get her away from her friends at a uh, it, it, for lack of a better term, it was, it was a drug rehab, but she was not on drugs. She was dabbling with it. Uh, and her, it affected her emotions, affected her attitude, just the, the whole the whole mindset. And she was, a, she was a pretty young age. So my parents put her under the tutelage of this particular leader uh, in St. Petersburg, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, St. Petersburg, Florida. Uh, called Straight Incorporated. And the lady who ran that uh, particular organization, nonprofit organization, um, she was a a strong believer in the Lord. And this is simultaneous. These things are going on simultaneously in the realm of when my car was... I'm trying to draw the parallel here. So got it done that, take the car away from me kind of thing, if I could put it that way. Um this traumatic event had unfolded and, um, and then subsequent to that, you know, with, uh, my sister and me going to some of the meetings that my sister was involved with, um, after she was put in that particular program to get her away from all her Friends that was one of the objectives of course, but also the influences the influences exactly so uh, Which was conducive to um, uh, A lot of Of, of pain uh, And 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 soul-searching So because it was quite striking uh um, mind-boggling that my sister was no longer in the house, you know, it's a big change. Yeah, big change. So and my parents had to drive to St. Petersburg every Monday and Friday. So their lives really basically uh, were all revolved around her and salvaging her life in a way. And she was at the young age of, I think, 14 or 15, 13, somewhere in that age. It was early on. Yeah, it was early on. So as things unfolded in that program, she was there for about a year, I think, um, because of the influence of Mrs., I think her name was Peterman, and the program at large, she really espoused uh, rules in that program that were based on the Scriptures, now, she couldn't she couldn't say that outwardly because of you know church and state but uh they they the, they knew that she was a believer the the kids and by the very nature of what um they were they were under under in terms of instruction like when they when Suzanne was to my I don't know have limited knowledge here but all they were given in, in the room that they were in, they're given all the, the needs, you know, food, of course, and sleep and all that and and whatever kind of teaching they had. But all they had in their room in terms of reading material was the Bible. Oh. Yeah, that was it. Um, but Mrs. Peterman was a very gracious, but strong and courageous woman and obviously a pioneer and a leader in that realm. And... Um, it wasn't a, a guarantee that it would come out of that lifestyle. There's no guarantees, of course. We have no guarantees. Yeah, exactly. But this was to be implemented with a sense of applying the means that they started, you know, for the parents, because it was an education for the parents, for sh- sure, and the family at large, to get them out of that realm and get them back on their feet and direct in the right direction. So, uh, Suzanne, oh, let me back up. Uh, so I would go to some of these meetings on Friday or whatever it was, be under that. And then Suzanne's influence, because she got, she got very excited about things about the Bible. And, um, so she would share those things with me and she would also share music that she was subjugated to, um, Christian music, you know, and she shared, uh, an album with me by Keith Green and uh, uh, the Lord was really beginning to do a work there for sure because Keith Green is a very very powerful um, evangelical uh, uh, songwriter um, very passionate had a tremendous gift and he had been I don't want to go off on a tangent, but he had been through all kinds of religions and all, he was searching desperately for truth and came, you know, the Lord opened his eyes and he was converted to Christ and just had a transformative ministry through his, through his, um, he, he was also a great teacher, but he, through his, through his music, tremendous uh, influence. So I listened to, I remember listening to him, that was part of God's overall plan. I'm going to jump ahead here as I recollect things. Um, then later on, after she got out of the program, Suzanne got out of the program. She had to hang around her straight friends, and um, we all went out one night. I'm going to jump right in there. We all went out one night into a, uh, the, to play pool at a Q and carom. It was not too far from our house with some of her friends, myself. What just so ha- just so happens that. At that same night, we were there. One of my old high school friends was there as well. That's always cool. Yeah. Smaller world. So, smaller world. His name was Paul Gardner. And uh, we had uh, had a, a good conversation talking about what God was doing and things of that nature, what Suzanne had been through. And to whatever degree, it wasn't in depth, but just so he, you know, he listened and. In light of all of that, he invited me to come to Grace Baptist Church. Now, a little background there, too, is that also at this time, simultaneously, in this you know, year span, year and a half span, I, was, um, I had uh, been um, dating a girl in high school, and, um, <laughs> this is some, and in that relationship, which was, you know, typical high school, you know, relationship, very shallow and very me centered and all that kind of thing. Um, during that span, when I was dating her, Suzanne was also, you know, this was the time when Suzanne was in the program. And, um, of course, this affected my family. My parents started going to the Roman Catholic, uh, a Catholic church, I would not call it Roman, but Catholic church in town off of Bee Ridge. And uh, and part of that process, we went to um, classes with the priest. Uh, Maybe it was once a week or whatever. To learn about the catechism, learn, you know, to become members of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to, I remember the one class we're in, and we're opening up the Bible, and we're studying the Bible, and the priest has no idea what's going on, but I'm I'm reading it. In detail. You know, reading it, and God's convicting me of my life. Why I'm reading. I mean, what scripture. I talked about my girlfriend, I talked to my girlfriend about it. Lord was working on my heart. was right there. Right there. Priest had no idea. No, you know, Lord's working right there. Plus, you know, you, I'm trying to draw all these, you know, points together. Uh, the Keith Green album, my friend invited me to Grace Baptist Church. But the Lord was working on me in that situation right there and gradually sh- manifesting himself to me through the power of his word to transform something in here that nobody, no man could do, nobody, other than his word. His word was the means. So um, that transpired, and then he was making me ready to hear the gospel because I really had not heard biblical, powerful preaching from the word until I went to Grace Baptist. I went with Paul. To grace, yeah, and uh, what was specific about that location? Or oh, that was that, uh, that was it? off of Kenilworth. That was within walking distance of my house. It wasn't mm-hmm. far from it. What spoke to you more there than elsewhere? Oh, him, his uh, preaching from the Word of God. Right. Not a bunch of stories. Not a bunch of you know anecdotes. You know, it was more direct. It was right from the Word yeah. and the application of the Word, showing the profound. Implications of the word for your life, getting to the root of the matter, uh, and then as it's proclaimed, you refl- the Holy Spirit uses that to uh, speak to your heart and in your realm of living and your thought life and all of that. So as that was for, proclaimed, the word, the Lord. That's where I came to faith in Christ. That's when I understood what it meant to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, never would have heard that in a Catholic church in that capacity. Unless that person, unless the priest, I'm not saying priest can't be converted, but in that particular congregation or whatever, um, that was not evident. Um, it's more of a formality. And, uh, you know, uh, and everybody knows about that. Where you go through the motions? But the sincerity, the integrity, the life of this particular pastor, uh, Pastor Berkeley Helms, he's on with the Lord now. Um, but was profound and the assistant pastor, Denny Davis, and then I went, Paul also invited this Paul fellow that, uh, he invited me to a Bible study on Tuesday night. That was a game changer because every Tuesday night we'd go to this, uh, he was a congregational member. He was a missionary to Chad Africa. He was on furlough for that summer. He'd come in summer and he would teach from us in his house, the, the word of God, cash, has, his name, cool. got cash, God bowl every Tuesday night. I think it went like, went from 7 PM to about 10 and you know, and people had no problem with that amount of time because we spent, he would, um, uh, his format would, he would, uh, open up with prayer of course. And then he would hand out, he'd break you up into two or three, you know, people in small groups, and then hand each group a question with various scriptures related to that question. And each group had to study those scripture, that scriptures in light of the question and answer the question, and then bring that back what they came, some conclusions they might have, you know, gleaned from that and brought that back to the group at large. That's a good concept. Yeah, and then he would govern, he would direct. He was well versed in scripture. Very patient, very knowledgeable, but it wasn't it wasn't a head knowledge. it was a it was a it was a godly knowledge, patient knowledge. He knew all kinds of levels of people in there in that room. There were a lot of young adults. That room was packed out. I mean, it was packed. It was people sitting on the floor, sitting on the couch, sitting on top of the couch. You know, it was packed. And it was not from just Grace Baptists. It was from churches throughout the area or just people that were searching or whatever. Um, Everybody was put in groups. Yeah, yeah. They, they would break up in groups of you know three, two, whatever it might have been. Yeah, and then he would go around the group, and then you know that takes some time uh, doing that. And then we would have refreshments. His wife would be so gracious, make brownies or whatever, and uh, she was just so gentle. Uh, Sheila, I think her name, or no, not Sheila. Anne, um, Anne Ann Godbold, yeah, was her name. So, but anyway, all these factors were instrumental in transforming my life to the point where uh, that was the onset of looking through now the life through the lens of the scriptures. It's, an, it's a life in Christ. It's, it's a life that uh, is seeking to serve Him for His glory. And I, as I grew in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and going through various you know, difficulties, trials, hardships, ups and downs, situations, um, uh, it, it has profoundly shaped me. And we've been through, you know, I, I can't have time today, but many different things that have certainly tested the water, no doubt. But I will say, and as the scriptures say, he's he's been incredibly faithful all the way through. And sometimes situations look very precarious. And a lot of times you see and this is where he's amazing, is that he'll manifest uh, your heart in spite of your relationship with him. He reminds you by his grace of how weak you are. That's the beauty of it. He's a shepherd. Like a humbling force. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter how far along you are or how much knowledge you have. You um, you have... Uh, Grown in these things, but he reminds you that this is all of me and and, and you've been created to worship me and uh, To know me and that's where and then because he wants us to know him to the fullest extent um, And I know this is gonna sound weird, but it's the beginning of eternity so think about that that the Lord of glory is eternal and he begins something that will be eternal. He begins that work of grace in the heart that will be eternal. So he's eternally patient. He's eternally good. You know, all these things, he's eternally long suffering. He knows he's a a chief shepherd, as the scriptures call him. He knows how to govern and direct his sheep. And of course, the imagery is sheep, you know, that's a whole other thing. Anybody has sheep knows that's not an easy task. They're pretty dumb. (laughs) So they're pretty smelly or they are whiners, you know, everybody knows these things, these things, but it's, it's good imagery because uh, they're very dependent, extremely. They'll just sit there, you know, they'll just sit there in a ditch. That's true. And just not do anything, you know, it's like, Okay, fresh <laughs> come and prod or do, do what he wants, you know, to uh, Move them in the right direction But it's very amazing. Here's the thing that here's the defining measure of a christian versus a non-christian uh, And this is a supernatural work Jesus says the sheep know my voice That's the difference He calls and when he calls he calls for good he doesn't lose one of his sheep. That's out of the Gospel of John. He never loses one of them. Now the world might say, "Oh, this person, how can he believe her and do that?" Or they, they make accusations against them. But a true work of grace, someone will repent. So they will change. There might be periods where they go away for a while, kind of thing, but the Lord brings them back. That's what I just read this this morning. And Peter, when Peter denied him three times. And the Lord in Luke 22 has to say to him, Peter, uh, and he felt just incredibly overwhelmed by that, right? Because of, he said, I will never deny you. He was going, vigorous. he's vigorous. A, he's a self-reliant man. He, in a sense, almost, he has, that's his personality. That's the core of who, his being. That's his fabric. This is who Peter is. And um, he said, Lord, I'll never deny. Then he denied him three times. and was just devastated and the lord knew that and the lord said i prayed for you and when you turn he's telling the future when you turn
0: uh, calling the future there
1: he's calling Well, the lord's omniscient that's that's an attribute of the lord that makes him the lord that it, uh, he's omnipotent he he can control you know the, the feeding of the 5000 he brought he fed 5000 in one one event you know with uh, the fish multiply and the and the bread multiplies you know 5000 uh he he calmed the water. A heart tumultuous. Have you ever been out in the Galilee, I think it's Galilee, they said, it's like, have you ever been on a, well, like a hurricane? You know, the waters where you can easily die, you know, <laughs> and he, he just spoke a word. He's on, he's walking on the water, he spoke a word, peace, and it warped like that. So he manifests himself to, sh- to show that he's the Lord. He's the Lord of creation. He's the Lord of life. He's omnipotent. He's, um, you know, omniscient. So. Um, but he told him i prayed for you and when you turn you'll serve me and sure enough that's the letters of peter came out later in first uh, peter and second peter and that's when he said to feed my sheep and his uh, his letters to the churches that he was writing to you know to the church at large us holy spirit governed because uh, all the words that are he proclaimed or governed by the Holy Spirit this is why we call it God's word it's God's word it's not men writing it's it's the Lord working through men as instruments but that's God's word uh, that's I'll give you a quote on that second Timothy 316 316 yeah that's uh, that's the passage I, I, sometimes I get that mixed up with first Timothy but I, I think it's second yeah second Timothy 316 uh, talks about that is the the um, The Word of God is inspired, it's God breathed, that's the terminology, it's God breathed. So He works through the pens of men to write His Word. So His Word is eternal, yeah. So go ahead.
0: When you mention eternal eternity, that's good that it connects with a long-term perspective, which tends to be good for our well-being when you have a Mm long-term perspective in life versus Mm -hmm. short-term items. Right. That's a
1: nice message there. Yes. Yep. We're meant to be here for a while and do things for a while and build for a while. Yeah. Well, that's what that's that's the that begs the question: what are, what are what what are you here for? Everyone asks, like, what's my purpose in life? Deep question. How can one find what they are here for? The, that's Isaiah forty-three-seven tells us we're created for His glory. Now, um, that's a, another profound thing. But so, um, the believer truly glorifies the Lord. It's a work of grace. And there's a mystery to this, of course. The Lord has to work grace. But we got to remember, the precedent of that is Israel. Israel should have never been Israel. Israel would have never been Israel. By the way, that means wrestling with God. That was out of Jacob. Jacob's name was changed in Genesis 32 to Israel because God met with him and changed his name. Seriously. Uh, he was a deceiver he was a schemer all of his life and and he was also the grandson of of Abraham with that covenant was made that, that's a, but a, the point is is that uh, Israel he told them in deuteronomy in Deuteronomy 7 I did not choose you because you were righteous I did not choose you because of who you are your' intellect nothing about you I chose you I simply chose you because I love you that's it that's a great reasoning to choose I love you. It had nothing to do with you in and of itself. I've created you. But remember, man is in sin from the beginning of Adam. This is Romans chapter 5. And we can argue all we want, but all of us will die. So we can say all of our philosophies. We can try to denounce everything. But every one of those philosophers are dead. (laughs) Okay. This is true. So so the defining mark, you know... Okay, just say to that philosopher who's denying the Lord or who's trying to say that he can live outside of God or whatever the case might be What are you going to write in your epitaph? I was right <laughs> <laughs> Or was the Lord right and I'm not making light of that because It's you know, uh, one of the things I will say uh, we can't see the body language of course of the Lord We cannot hear the intonation of his voice But I, I'm assured when he was on his earthly ministry and when people were rejecting him and spurning him and and making mockery of him and despising him and hating him and this is the the pharisees i'm sure his heart was broken his heart was broken because he was he he will never force anybody the glory of the lord he will never force a man who the holy spirit persuades men to see the truth Here's here's a great psalm, Psalm 94, I can't remember the exact verse, but he who created the eye, does he not see? He who created the ear, does he not hear? Of course he does. The psalmist says in one Psalm uh, 10, uh, 139 that um, he knows our thoughts before we think them. He's omniscient. You're not fooling God, you're not fooling anything, but Jeremiah tells us the singular purpose, and this is great, uh, in Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, let not the rich man glory in his riches, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the, uh, there's another one too, I'm trying to think of it, but, but let him glory in this, that he knows and understands me. That's the bottom line. That's the, how you glorify God, knowing, understanding him, because we reflect what he is like through the power of the Holy Spirit, which points to his son, two passages, uh, First uh, John, I only know this because they're exact same uh, number, so Colossians um, 2, 6, and First John 2, 6. Same number. Same number. Walk as Christ walked. Impossible for men. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the command. And that's implicitly saying that you have a living, vital relationship with Christ. It's not on you. It's on him. He will work through his Holy Spirit. He will bring conviction of sin. He will bring transformation. He will bring life into you. So we were just studying this recently. He'll bring weeping. Only the Holy Spirit can do that over your sin. Uh, conviction of sin, but he doesn't leave you there because Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't stay there because when he forgives, you, then you need to joy in him. And and that's a real work of grace that you understand he's forgiven you and moving on. And that's your strength, the joy in the Lord. The Lord will lead you. That gives vigor, that gives purpose, that gives satisfaction to everything you do, um, no matter what you do. And here's another glorious thing in that same chapter, since it's fresh in my mind. Um, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which they celebrated, the Israelites celebrated, was indicative of, of um, celebrating seven days of the week, a rejoicing of what God had done for them, to remember what God had done for them, and bringing them out of bondage to the Egyptian rule for years on end incredible bondage, delivers them mightily, brings them into a promised land, uh, you know Canaan, through the instrument of Joshua, which is a prefigurement of Christ by the way, but um, brings them into the promised land and they were to remember that in their in light of what God had done historically for them. They were to celebrate one week in the fall and rejoice over and over just every day um and 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 putting up these tabernacles these these palms and they talk about the different tree leaves they would put them up make it like a like a tent kind of thing right an abode with an altar in the middle but um and and then they would pour water in it to show that there's life you know so um water's always a sign of life yeah exactly so very good right so they had um neglected that for many years. And then uh, Nehemiah and Ezra, when the people came back from exile, they were, they had sinned against the Lord greatly and continued to reject his prophets and were living uh, much as a nation, like the heathen were. And God warned them through prophets, if you do not turn, there's judgment coming. And judgment came. And he used foreign nations, Babylon and, and Assyria, both of them, the north northern kingdom of Israel fell in 722 BC and the southern kingdom fell in 539 BC or 5, I'm sorry, 586 I think it was BC. So they were in exile, they were under the dominion of a foreign nation for years, huh. bondage and then God brings them out of that through Nehemiah and Ezra. That's another, I don't want to go too much into it but in, in the book of Nehemiah under the Leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra. And when the law was read by Ezra and Nehemiah chapter um, 8, uh, they wept bitterly. And But then they they said, don't weep anymore. You need to rejoice. Yes, it is good to weep over your sin. But don't stay there because your strength is in the Lord. And the Lord uh, delivered you. But this tabernacles was also celebrated in Nehemiah 8. They reinstituted it. They reinstated it. At that time 800 years they didn't do it and now they're reinstating 800 years, 800 years and now they're reinstating it to show of their uh, In faith their appreciation that God had used Nehemiah God had used Ezra God had salvaged them They were incredibly appreciative of the mercy of God and the faithfulness of God and if you look at Nehemiah 9 their whole commentary there you have done right all these years we have acted wickedly they confess it they acknowledge it but there's great joy that's expressed through this feast so it's not just a celebration it's not just a formality it's a reality to them you know this is symbolic of something that's in the heart so they uh, so they they put that into practice and here's the irony of it come days of jesus the Feast of Tabernacles was being celebrated and Jesus comes to them in John seven thirty seven, and says, All you who are thirsty come thirsty. unto me right during the Feast of Tabernacles when the, so the whole point was the real water is in me. He's the, that, the Old Testament ceremonies were pictures or foreshadows of it was a real work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was working, but they were pointing to Christ, the second person of the Trinity, who now came to earth. And uh, the water is in me, John seven thirty seven. He's telling them. He was an invitation for them at that time to come. And to anybody that reads the Scriptures, see, it's so, it's so important to know the context that he's the real water. He's, he's, the, he's the light of the world. He's the true light. Every other light is darkness. But he is the only way, the truth, and the life, John fourteen six. He's the only way. There's one person, the second person in the Trinity. Um, this is why he's called the second Adam. What the first Adam couldn't do, that he fell, even though he's perfect, he fell. And every subsequent person would die in their sins because of the judgment. Now the second Adam is going to take the judgment upon himself. On the cross for our sins. That's pretty awesome. There's a progression there. Yeah, yeah. progression, right. And uh, that's the gospel. That's why there's good news all throughout the scriptures. Uh, the Old Testament is leading to the new. There's, It's like, um, you know, you get the... Uh, I, I tell the kids this. I say, it's sort of like the the terminology we use. It's the... Um, what do you call that? The, the trailer. Oh. Uh. It's, it's the a trailer. Tra-
0: it's the movie trailer. Yes, exactly.
1: That's it's exactly the Old Testament. Preview. Text. If I can use that as an analogy, it's sort of like a trailer because it gives you a depiction of what these are going to be representing and consummating in the one person, Jesus Christ. You know, foreshadowing like a Foreshadowing, yes. Yeah, so as you're scene. reading the narrative and then you have an understanding of the New Testament, you're like, oh, my goodness. Look at this. You. It's like uh, Psalm 34, 8. Says, taste the Lord and see that He's good. He's putting a taste in your mouth, because it's pointing somewhere. Okay, and then Paul, all the apostles, especially Apostle Paul, he had 13 letters. Uh, he uh, he continually says, in Christ, in Christ, you're in Christ. It's not me. Uh, it's Christ who lives within me. Of course, he uses Apostle Paul. He uses any believer. So in, in my realm uh, work here, uh, Christ threw me to my work. That's, gonna be, that's not me I'm uh, I'm perfect. I'm being I'm obviously being perfected. The Lord continually works that way. But I'm all I'm once I'm justified, I'm always justified. I'm gonna I'm jumping right in there. So once someone comes to know Jesus Christ, um, he is justified. The gavels come down. Uh, a sentence has been proclaimed and meaning that when, when the holy spirit works in a person's mind and they come to know jesus christ and believe in him justification is right there because the judgment has fallen on the savior the work of the grace now that person's a new creation a new creation in christ jesus second uh, corinthians five seventeen. 17. your new creation in christ jesus and now you're living for his glory and uh, there's, of course, there's, uh, you know, steps all the way along and people have different growth periods, uh, but the Lord's at work. So that's where you need to know, how does this play itself out? You got to get in the scriptures. Um, yeah, the Lord will lead. The Lord will guide. The Lord will govern. The Lord will come back. He'll do all the work. He shepherds you through his word, Hebrews 4.12. His word is alive, like a, sh- a sh- sharp, a two-edged sword that can go in bone and marrow, between bone. Trying to, use, it's meticulous work. No man can see it. It's the Holy Spirit using His word to discern our thoughts and intents. That's the work of the Lord. No man can do that. Now He appropriates the means. He uses preaching of the word, teaching of the word, all these things. But it's the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. First John two twenty seven. Talks about that's the best teacher, he. But he uses the means. He uses the. He calls men to preach and teach, you know, things of that nature. But all this is being used for his glory, you know. But the Holy Spirit is working through that, and transforms a person for his glory, you know. And that's that's a game changer because, uh, you know, throughout church history, we see God powerfully working through. So many different means to continue church. The gates of hell will never prevail over uh, the kingdom of Christ. No matter how much communism or any other type of isms try to squelch Christianity, it'll never happen. God will always raise up. God, you know, the gospel is going forth very powerfully. Right now, my our, my in law, uh, future in law, should say, uh, he goes to Cuba uh maybe ten times a year, brings uh, medical supplies, also training pastors, young pastors on how to oversee their small little congregations. But supposedly, now this is what he said, there have been you know that when I say small congregations, I mean maybe 10 to 15, probably 20 or whatever it is in the island of Cuba. Guess how many have broke out in the last so many years? little little groups of belief, I mean literally, where the Holy Spirit has powerfully brought people to himself. 10,000. 10,000. 1,500 last year. They don't know what to do. They don't have enough teachers to help. So that's where they're asking people to come in and give instruction and guidance and direction from the Word of God. Yeah. So uh, absolutely extraordinary work of grace. And this is happening in China, um, you know, uh, historically, um, Africa, uh, throughout the world in different places. And that was the kingdom was going to be set up. It's not going to be just now Israel. You know, it's going to, he came to to all the world where men would know the gospel, Jews and Gentiles. Expanding. Jews and Gentiles, exactly. Yeah. Where he's people in the kingdom. Yeah. Incredible. Work of grace. It's all by grace, by the way. Yes, go ahead.
0: That's cool. By the way, earlier you had said the person was being gracious in Grace Church. That's kind of cool. What's that? Gracious in Grace Church. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah. That was,
1: yeah. yeah Grace Grace Baptist. Good Good. first word. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But those men were extremely instrumental in my growth. The preaching of the Word. Faithful preaching of the Word. Not, you know, going through it um, book by book or whatever. And, um, and then also the teaching on Tuesday night. That was instrumental. And the character. The character of our lives. Huge, absolutely huge. They emulated the life of Christ. You know, I had, uh, you know, they they manifest that um, not perfectly, of course. They had their limits, every of course. But the point is, is that their uh, their signposts to Jesus, their lives were where I wanted. They uh, promoted uh, a mentality. Uh, I went, I was it made me more hungry for the Lord. You know, to, because I saw it manifest. In their character and their um, things they espoused you know because their life spoke very loudly yeah right
0: I like the message of uh, good versus the non-good and your counter force to it hmm in closing for today what would be a scripture that speaks to you highly on a regular basis what would be one that you would showcase hmm what's a st- scripture that comes to mind quite often
1: um, there, are, there are a number of them as the Holy Spirit leads. Um, I would say Galatians two twenty. Um, I don't have it. I right. see if I can bring my phone in with me. Um, What's the message behind that? One? Yeah, it's, um, it's Christ living in me. You know, Paul espoused that. It's, it's not in his own flesh. It's not because of his own intellect. Um, which he was one of the greatest intellectuals of all time. Um, And and he had to learn this. He talks about this. But in the midst of um, his life, what was demonstrative for him was that God powerfully used suffering as a means not only to humble him, but to espouse the kingdom. God uses suffering to manifest himself um, glorious and mighty, showing men that it—it's not about the outward and all the things you can acclaim and try to. It's about dying to self, and this is a, this is representative of the Lord because one of the things I learned from Tim Keller, uh, who married Beth and myself, um, and his uh, his. Sermon or exposition of the Trinity, which is a mystery in itself, but it's true. The scriptures very, very much espouse that, is that one of the distinctives about the Trinity is that the one person always seeks to exalt the other person. Extraordinary. So, if you, to, to illustrate, Christ, if you look through the Gospel of John, you go through the Gospel of John, you'll see him over and over and over again say, I only speak what I hear from my father. He was always seeking to honor his father. He listened to his father. Everything he did, we lived a perfect life, okay, every step of the way, in our behalf, because he was a sacrifice on the cross. So the perfection of his life, which the father said, I am well pleased with my son, uh, uh, right before his crucifixion, um, uh, and the amount of, amount of transfiguration, so his life was emblematic of our life in Christ, in the sense that he gave full allegiance to to um, to his Father. To say you've seen, because they said we want to see the Father. He said, if you've seen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So the unity, and that, that, that's, they said, that's blasphemy. You're, how can you say that? Uh, but he claimed he was he's the Lord. He's the second person in Trinity. And so um, he gave glory to the Father uh, through everything he did, everything he said. And uh, he trusted that the Lord would use that. The Holy Spirit would convict men to see that. And then uh, the Holy Spirit's ob- objective is to bring glory to the Son. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's glory. So there's this outpouring of, so that is really exp- what the believer does. He dies to himself, selfish. of like cutting out that ego. Exactly. Yeah, and only the Lord can do this in a true sense of the word, because the vacuum is not. It's not just morality, which is more about vacuum. When we're doing unto the Lord, there's joy. There's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what goes on. Galatians five twenty two as the fruit of the Spirit. Those are the manifestations that you know the Lord. And you'll grow in that all all the way to glory on those things that He manifests. Love, joy, peace, you know, kindness, long-suffering, you know, uh, self-control, gentleness. These manifestations will come out more and more as you're growing the grace and knowledge of Christ, as Peter talked about, growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Die, you will know, die all the way to glory and exalt him. That's the point. Yeah. And he works, uh, by the way, I'll say this. He works in obscurity. He works very powerfully in obscurity. He was born in Jerusalem. You know, obscure. Uh, it was prophesied. Uh, most of his ministry was obscurity. People that were Zac- Zacchaeus, uh, the woman at the well, along with her, John chapter 4. Obscurity. She had had five relationships already, completely devastated, exiled from from the community. Meets her at a well. Um, Nicodemus comes by night, a Pharisee who's very prideful, knows the whole law, but doesn't know Jesus. You know, there's the obscurity of the Lord. Uh, He works gloriously. Oh, oh! I can show you many passages in the Old Testament, New Testament. God's way. Isaiah 55 talks about this. Isaiah. 55.7, Fifty-five seven, I think it is, God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so that's what we need to subjugate our thoughts to his thoughts and live for his glory and wait on him and see his hand. And his timing is always perfect uh, as, as he's perfecting his church. He buys them out of the world, brings them out of darkness into his marvelous light, Colossians 1.13, and um, and then transforms them and helps them to be salt and light for his glory in the midst of whatever context he has them in. But he'll always deliver them, you know, for his glory. And sometimes that means death. Of course, the apostles all died except for John. John was in Patmos. But believe me, I can tell you right now, without a doubt, that he gave him the strength to do that. How he did, I have no idea. I know that he did it. I mean, but he gave him the strength to do that. So whatever he's given you, he gives you the strength to do it, you know, and the calling to do it. He'll never fail that way. So, yeah.
0: What well, we are given suits us in that form. Mm-hmm. On this one here, I would like to thank you for having joined in this discussion and with leaving us with a great message there from the Scripture. I'm mm-hmm. glad to have spoken with you today.
1: Oh, thank you. Thanks for the time. Thank you for the privilege. Yeah. Sharing. You know it. And we are
0: out. The Armin show is a culmination of so many of my discussions with thoughtful individuals, knowledgeable individuals, creative individuals, people who have something to say in a category that they have put effort into maybe for years, maybe for decades, a lot of experience comes through. I like finding the links between people and topics of discussion in the categories that you have come to recognize. We're glad to continue the show to branch out, to expand to have more links between individuals, to have bigger groupings of individuals together in different formats so that the show becomes more of a show. And as we continue to do this, we're always glad for your support along the way. The Armin Show is something that has developed from all my past efforts, blogging, making videos, audios, and has reached to this point where there are now hundreds of episodes with people or just with myself, bringing knowledge, sometimes entertainment, information, something that can help us progress forward in the categories that I tend to cover. Hope you enjoy it. And onward we go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please comment any takeaways you had. And we'll see you on the Armin show next time.